This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. In the new, very bloody horror comedy Renfield, Nicholas Holt plays Count Dracula's long-suffering servant trapped in a toxic relationship with his narcissistic boss. He sets out to free himself from the vampire's thrall with the help of group therapy, inspirational posters, a friendly police officer, and eating lots and lots of bugs, which gives him superpowers. It won't be easy because his boss, Count Dracula, is played by one Nicolas Cage. There's a lot of blood, body parts, codependency jokes, and of course, at the center of it all, an extremely dialed-in Nick Cage, going full ham, as is his wont. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Renfield on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is Waylon Wong. She's co-host of NPR's daily economics podcast, The Indicator, from Planet Money. Hey, Waylon. Hello. Hello. And also joining us is Vulture TV critic Roxana Haddadi. Welcome back, Roxana. Thank you. Glad to have you. And rounding out the panel is Jordan Morris. He's a podcaster and the co-writer of the double Eisner Award nominee graphic novel, Bubble. Welcome, Jordan. Hi. Great to be here. Great to have you. Okay. So Renfield takes place in modern-day New Orleans, where Nicholas Holtz Renfield attends a regular meeting for people looking to get out of toxic relationships. After many years of supplying Dracula with fresh victims, Renfield's had a crisis of conscience and now supplies his boss with the jerks that the people in his group complain about. But Dracula, played by Nicolas Cage, wants more world domination, in point of fact. Standing in his way are Renfield, plus the one honest cop in New Orleans, played by Aquafina, and a criminal syndicate that includes Ben Schwartz as a slimy thug, and which is headed by his mother, played by a woefully underused Sheree Agdashlu. The movie was directed by Chris McKay, who made the Lego Batman movie and is in theaters now. Waylon, what'd you think of Renfield? I thought it was okay. I mean... It's honestly very hard to come down too hard on a movie that is such a brisk 90 minutes. Like, more movies. Every movie should be 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That said, this movie is weirdly overstuffed for being only 90 minutes long. I feel like the movie is at its full power, let's say, when it's really focused on the relationship between Dracula and Renfield. But then they put in a subplot involving a crime family. And then there's Aquafina as a cop dealing with this elaborate backstory involving her dad who also used to be a cop and her sister who works for the FBI down the hallway. And then they introduce this idea of Renfield falling in love with Aquafina, and then they totally drop it. So the screenplay is strangely clunky to me for a movie that's not very long. And I just really wanted more of Renfield and Dracula. I wanted to see the relationship over the last century plus rendered comically in sepia tones. Like, I wanted to see the good times they had and, and what kept them together as this team. Not a very, like, functional team, but a team nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what Renfield got out of the relationship so that we understand how he arrives at his point of disillusionment. I think basically what I'm pitching here is I wanted a really gory Dracula-themed version of Devil Wears Prada. Sure. You know, I, <laughs> I wanted I, I wanted a movie that is about the relationship we have with work and our employer and the trade-off that people make between financial security or employer-sponsored health care and their autonomy or doing work that aligns with their values and how you find your identity in and outside of work. I know these are kind of heavy things for a Dracula movie, but I think it could have gone there in a funny, interesting way. 
and it didn't. And it didn't even have as much Dracula lore as I wanted. Mm -hmm. I think it could have leaned into more Dracula lore. I did love the chloroform, though. You know, Renfield incapacitates his victims by uh, putting a white handkerchief up to their noses. And that's never not funny to me. Every time chloroform <laughs> appears in a movie, I love it. More chloroform. So that's that's what I thought, yeah. Man, what a great pitch. I am picturing Miranda Priestly with a widow's peak and a big collar. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm totally in. I think you make a good point, though, because we don't really see why he arrives at this crisis of conscience, right? What triggers it? Uh, Roxana, what would you think? I always enjoy Nicholas Holt in, like, weird little freak mode, which he does <laughs> surprisingly well. And so it's it's fun to watch him, you know kick people's heads off after eating a cockroach or however else he's gaining his powers. Uh I'm a big fan of Nick Cage in every form, and he's really, like, fully 100% Nick Cage here. Some call me the Dark One. Others, the Lord of Death. (laughs) However, to most, I am known simply as So the performances are fun, but I totally agree that this movie, like, suggests 12 other directions and then never really goes down any of them. I fully expected Renfield's descendants to matter because Mm -hmm. there's a subplot about how he left his wife and his daughter. I fully expected New Orleans to ever feel like New Orleans, which it never does. So there's a lot of stuff here that does not work, but it also is completely the kind of movie that if I still had cable and it was on at 3 p.m., I would 100% just put it on in the background. (laughs) Because as half-baked as it feels, the performances are committed, and that's why I wish, you know, I would have taken another half hour of this movie if it felt tighter about the central relationship. But as it is, I do think I cackled a lot, like maybe Uh an embarrassing amount at the press screening. (laughs) So I I hesitate to say fully bad, definitely not fully good, but somewhere in the fun, bad middle is where this movie lives. The fun, bad TBS Saturday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's where we are. That's where we are. Jordan, is that where we are? Yes, uh, I think everything people have said has been pretty right on. If there are any small town newspaper movie critics listening, I have a line for your review. Okay. You can use this. You don't have to credit me. Most vampires chew on necks, but this one chews the scenery? There we go. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of flavors here that I like. <laughs> I think this movie has a very strong beginning and a very strong end. It definitely has a wacko trauma or evil dead feel at right, times, something right. I would have watched on a combo TV VCR in a dorm first year of college. But yeah, lots of gore, lots of weird fighting, and jokes. It's got jokes, but... um. Yeah, that middle is a problem. Uh I think uh, we love Ben Schwartz. We love Aquafina. These are two folks we love to see pop up in things. But yeah, they're kind of weirdly crowbarred into this movie by way of these plots that are kind of hard to care about, uh, especially because Renfield and Dracula are so great when they're together. It's just great to see Cage in movies that don't go straight to Redbox. Yep. Nice to see him in something with a budget, with other stars. <laughs> uh-huh. He's having so much fun and is so hilarious. They have great chemistry. But yeah, when when the movie kind of like 
goes off into these other avenues, it's kind of a snooze, and, and you're you're wondering where's my where's my where's my two buddies? Where are my two <laughs> blood sucking buddies? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's unanimous. <laughs> uh, look, this this movie meets expectations. It says what it's going to do on the box, and it does it. It's hard to hate that. I've yeah. talked about the phenomenon of Marvel funny before, which is adjacent yeah. to actually funny. Uh, it's clear <laughs> when a room full of stand-ups have been put into a room and asked to do punch-up on a script, and you can always tell there's like a lot of off-screen jokes, right? There's a lot of ADR jokes kind of around the periphery of the movie. If ever a movie was made for that treatment, it's this one. And I wanted more jokes. I didn't get sure. enough jokes. Uh, there is a, a film cult, a bro cult around Cage that I never got. I like him fine. Sometimes he goes a little big. You heard it here first. Sometimes he goes a little big for me. <laughs> Glad. For me, know. he goes a little big. <laughs> but he's the best thing in this. I don't this... know what movie you were watching. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the reaction shots, he is owning this movie in a way that only he can. And I like Nicholas Holt a lot. He's played a zombie in uh, Warm Bodies. And I played, yeah. I guess, sort of an, uh, a wolfman in uh, X-Men and now a vampire Jason Servant. So he is a one-man universal monster, dark universe. Good for him. Get that paper. <laughs> Do a mummy next, I guess. <laughs> I think the thing that worked best in this movie are the group therapy scenes. They feature a very funny actor, Brandon Scott Jones. He plays Mark, the facilitator. You can see him on Ghost. He's great in anything he does. But if you were to stop focusing on his needs, what would happen? If I don't... Yeah, what would what? happen? Stop focusing on his needs. What would happen? He won't grow to full power. Exactly. He won't grow to full power. What? That's so weird. Why would you phrase it like that? But yes, he's right. I just felt while watching those group therapy scenes that the cultural moment for codependency jokes, I mean, codependency is a real thing, but like it had a moment. The dream of the 90s is alive in this movie. We don't say schwing anymore. We don't say we're not worthy. We don't say isn't that special. It's like codependency as a thing. And I just think, and this is my main issue, in a world where what we do in the shadows is out here doing its thing, being great, staking out a piece of real estate. Staking, staking out a piece was that of real estate. Okay, okay. We all okay. felt it. Good Lord. <laughs> it just felt inessential, right? Everything in this movie can be found elsewhere in sharper definition. This felt like a photocopy of a photocopy, this movie. I also think it's weird that codependency was the frame because yeah. it's not really codependency. It's abusive bosses and yeah. it's a commentary on like yeah. toxic work culture and the hustle grind and all that stuff. And that's not really what the movie is doing. So there's this weird fuzziness around every subplot mm -hmm. but then Nicolas Cage is there and like his skin is growing back and one <laughs> ear is falling off and he's still <laughs> snarling through those teeth and I just really love that man so I think I'll tolerate a lot of things for that performance I don't know if that's enough I guess like being part of the Nick Cage bro cult mm -hmm. I know that I'm the target audience <laughs> but I don't know if that's enough I don't know. Yeah, I think I am also part of the bro cult to an extent. I have watched him in so many meh Taken ripoffs that it's just mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. nice to see him. And yeah, and he's great. And I hope I hope we get more of this in the future. I think this movie, it had a weird combination of like 
great jokes and oh come on stuff. <laughs> Something that I like but felt a little personally attacked by. This movie hates ska. This movie <laughs> has it does. It really does. Maybe it's most prominent running joke is people uh, disliking ska and there being this kind of like weird ska mafia around. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in Orange County in the 90s. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. Ska mafia in present day New Orleans. This again, again right. it just feels Everything, like, it's just everything about these references are just... Plug and play. Dated is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And someone does say some version of, I can't unsee that. Uh, And I uh, think mm -hmm. that needs to go with hard pass. I think that needs to go Mm -hmm. with, so that happened. He's standing behind me right now, isn't he? That one, that one, yep. yep. I know. Can we put those in a vault for 10 years? (laughs) Um, We're done with those. So some some jokes that really worked and some that, that weren't so great. Yeah. Also, like, vampires in New Orleans. I mean, can you do that? Are you allowed to do vampires in New Orleans? (laughs) I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think after interview with the vampire in all of its forms, you just can't. Sorry. It's done. Yeah. And like, you know, Louis and Lestato just be like, back off. This is our corner. Also, like you got Nicholas Holt's cheekbones. You got vampires. We all want more of this relationship. I think what I'm picking up on is that shouldn't this be a little queerer? It's vampires. (laughs) You know, yeah, you know what I mean? That's fair. Shouldn't there be something in there? And and you've got this other plot line. We've all mentioned this corrupt cops versus the mob. That just feels so perfunctory. Aquafina's got an FBI sister whose name is Kate. I had to look that up in the credits. Uh, she's played by Camille Chen because I think she's just called my sister throughout the entire movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of missed stuff here. Mm-hmm. Like, Shora Agdashlu is Ugh. like a total miss. Total. Like, she is a joy every time she comes up. And I was like, maybe she will... I don't know, be a werewolf or she'll also be a vampire or there will be more amazing outfits, but there's just one amazing outfit Uh uh and, you know, her perfection. But yeah, so it's like we could make a serious list of all the things we wanted more of because this film just feels not so perfectly formed, but I had fun. Okay. You know, I keep saying, is that enough? Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. I had fun too. And I think that... I am really over serious vampire content. I only want funny vampire content because I find Dracula to be inherently funny. Like this movie I'm obsessed with is Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? Which came out a long time ago. But it's so funny. Uh It gets funnier every time I watch it. And so I'm always primed for funny Dracula. Like I'm not in the Nicolas Cage bro cult, but I'm in like funny Dracula cult, I guess. Is that a cult? But um, so it's like I am primed for more funny Dracula content. And I just wanted more jokes around Dracula. Like when my favorite joke in the film is when Dracula appears in Renfield's apartment and it's because he wasn't invited in, but there was a doormat that says, welcome, come on in. And Renfield's like, oh, now I bought this like welcome mat at Home Goods, and I accidentally yep. <laughs> did not protect myself against Dracula. That's so funny. And I don't know why they didn't just yeah. make more jokes like about, I don't know, Renfield ordering pizza and Dracula's like, I told you, I can't have the garlic. Yeah, you can't have garlic sure, around sure, me. That's sure. a terrible joke. But I don't know, something. Some more, more stuff like that is what I wanted. Exactly. Someone brought this up in our pre-tape chat, I'll let them raise their hand when I say it, but um, the gang, the criminal gang is named the Lobo Gang. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Nobody turns into a werewolf. I'm sorry, whose observation am I stealing? It's mine. It's, it's fine. Roxana. Yeah. It's Roxana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And another thing in the perfection that is Bram Stoker's Dracula 
is that Dracula turns into a wolf. Yeah, yes, of course. Sure. Oh, yeah. So there's also just there's like this hanging wolf reference that we could have done so much with. That just does not get done. You gotta leave something for Renfield too. Secret of the use. You gotta. You gotta. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Renfield returns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that to me stuck out as something that, like, I bet that was something in another version of the script. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Mm. The movie really seems like it was rewritten nine thousand times. You can kind of see the studio notes up on screen. Mm-hmm. The power struggle within the mafia, Aquafina and her FBI sister, it all kind of seems like a studio note. You know, it, it starts with voiceover, which is like always kind of a sign that something has been kind of messed with in editing or rewritten in a weird way. So yeah, I, I, I really wonder what the original vision for this was. And if it did have, you know, more of those we can't get garlic on the pizza type joke. Exactly. <laughs> which is solid, by the way, which is solid. Thank you for shouting out that joke. Not my, not my best work. Not my best work. <laughs> Renfield director's cut. You heard it here first. Yes. Absolutely. More jokes, more Ben Schwartz improvising, more uh, Dracula and Renfield scenes, more queerness. I think more Shore. More Shore, definitely. I think the only queer thing about this movie is the utter lack of chemistry between Aquafina and Nicholas Holt. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> that seems familiar. All right. Well, tell us what you think about Renfield. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what is making us happy this week? This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to Viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? No matter what might be keeping you up, Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep. Mattress Firm will find you the right mattress from a wide selection of top brands at every budget. Plus, if you see a lower price somewhere else, they'll match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or store for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Now it is time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What is making us happy this week? Waylon, what is making you happy this week? 
I just finished the new novel by Curtis Sittenfeld, Romantic Comedy, and I enjoy this novel so much. It is a fun, breezy read. I was in a complete reading slump, and this took me out of it, so shout out for that. And this novel is about a woman who is a writer for a show that is essentially Saturday Night Live, down to a kind of sphinx-like Lorne Michaels type. And sparks fly between this comedy writer and that week's celebrity guest host, who's a male pop star. And... Curtis Settenfeld, honestly, it's such a pro. I love her novels. And the writing in this book, I think, has a pretty high level of difficulty because the main character is a comedy writer. So she has to be funny. Her conversations with her friends and coworkers on the show have to be funny. There's scenes where they're pitching sketches and they're punching up each other's jokes. And it's all actually funny in a way that if it hadn't worked, the novel would have been completely unreadable. But it's actually, it made me laugh out loud. And the other thing is this book, part of it is set during the early part of the pandemic. There's a whole epistolary section in the middle where they're trading emails during lockdown. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to revisit uh-huh. 2020 so soon through a novel or through any art, to be honest. But it worked. I think she pulled it off. There's lots of laugh out loud moments and swoony moments. I finished this book in like three sittings and then immediately lent it to a friend. So I really recommend it. That's Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. Thank you very much. That's a great rec. Roxana, what is making you happy this week? What is making me happy is the Tess Monaghan series by Laura Lippman. Mm-hmm. It's like a 25-year-old PI series, which I randomly discovered because I was logged into my digital library account through Howard County. And I was like, what's available now? I don't want to wait. And I also don't want to travel to the library that's a mile away. (laughs) What can I check out right now on my phone? And it was one of the Tess Monaghan books. And I am really enjoying the series. I'm like flying through them. They basically are self-contained. There's like a case per book. It's set in Baltimore, which is where I worked for eight and a half years. So it's nice to read places that I recognize. And I'm just really enjoying the flow of the writing, the character, Tess. It's very no-nonsense. P.I. used to be a journalist. So it's hitting a lot of those sort of digestible, fun, tense boxes that I enjoy when I'm into this genre. And again, I can just check it out on my phone. I can never get over the convenience Mm -hmm. of the modern library. (laughs) So that's what's making me happy. Okay, give me the title again. Uh, The Tess Monaghan series. It's a series of 12 books by Laura Lippman. That plus libraries are making you happy. Great. Jordan, what's making you happy? Yes, I mean, shout out libraries. Uh, We love them. Okay, that's enough pandering, young man. (laughs) (laughs) This is NPR, right? (laughs) Yes, I want to shout out a uh, really great graphic novel for kids uh, that I read recently. It's called Grace Needs Space. It is by Benjamin A. Wilgus and Rhea Abrego. It is set in this kind of sci-fi world where humans have colonized other planets. Grace, the titular kid, goes on a space road trip with her mom. Lots of kid feelings ensue. And I think the coolest part about this book is that there's a lot of actual science baked into it. So they do talk a lot about how space travel works and how humans, you know, might live in space one day. So I think if you've got a kid who's into NASA or engineering, this would be a great read for them. Uh, Grace Needs Space. Loved it. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, What is making me happy this week is uh, we did a show about the Netflix series Beef earlier this week. And, you know, you're going to hear it from me last. Beef is 
good. Go watch Beef. But Mark Marin had one of the stars, Stephen Yun, on his podcast, WTF. Marin is not a consistent interviewer, put it that way, but when he and the guest get each other in a real way, not in just a who are you guys kind of way, they can really go some interesting places. Uh, Yun is really smart about what he's doing and why he's doing it. They get into representation and specificity in fiction and who that is for, which is a really chewy topic, and they make a meal out of it. I took notes. Not something I normally do on a podcast. So that's Stephen Young on WTF. That is what's making me happy this week. And if you want links for what we recommended, plus some more recommendations, sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. That brings us to the end of our show. Waylon Wong, Roxana Haddadi, Jordan Morris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. This episode was produced by Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we will see you all next week. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.